Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. We glorify you for pursuing us before we even pursued you. You loved us way before we loved you. And like the song said, if we just ponder the amazing things that you've done for us and you will do for us and things that are in the works right now, there's too many to count. And we just thank you so much for just giving us this time now to be here. I mean, sometimes it's a struggle to, to get to church, and for some reason when we leave your presence, it's always worth it. So we pray tonight that, God, that you'd give us the greatest desire, and that's to seek you, that we would come tonight to leave closer to you, to know you more so. We would not feel farther, but we'd feel closer. If we just seek you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that we would find you. Help us do that tonight. Thank you so much for loving us. And praise your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody. Let's, uh, as Gabe said, let's go to 1 Timothy 5. Uh, as follows, here's the scripture. Chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him 3 through 15. My apologies. From 3. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren... Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed from... Some have already strayed after Satan. I think that's it, right? Okay. Until 18. Um, Let's see. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Okay. Great reading. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we are so loved by you, as was prayed earlier. You've graced us to be able to come into this holy place and sing to you, approach you in prayer and song, and to read those scriptures out loud freely, and to now to hear teaching and preaching and to reflect on it together as a family. This is all so much grace, and we thank you for it. Thank you for all the hearts and minds and souls that are present here in this place and online. 
all of us who are drawing near together to really seek you and find you and engage with you. Let power fill this place as we study. Let hearts and minds be activated. Let regeneration happen if there's any non-believers in the, ha- in the house or in the hearing of these words. And do mighty things in our midst. For we serve and worship a mighty God. And we expect nothing less when the power of the gospel and the word of God is preached. So be here in this space. Save us. And as we continue to reflect on the glories of family, let all the feels and the expression of faith that comes with that happen. Do this for your glory, we pray in your name. Amen. 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 And don't you think it's interesting why mingled through this letter, what does he teach? Marriage is good. Marry. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Make, have families. Why? Because that's the stomping grounds of godliness. And that's what we're going to see a lot in this text. Paul is really trying to, from leadership, remember in chapter 3, the created order was all kapakai in their understanding of leadership. So he's trying to put that back together, right? Same thing in the home. What Paul is basically trying to do is appeal back to the creation mandate. And let's, let's restore the created order. And then he's going to move over now into elders next week, right? Like even in elders, your eldership needs restoration. So that's really good. Um, okay, let's do our utmost to get through this. I'll try not to speed race just for the sake of getting through all the verses. But I love you guys so much. Um, I pray that everyone here is blessed by the text that we have before us in some way, shape, or form. God, be with us. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your law. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, that was a great observation time. I love that. Uh, I've heard people say at our Bible studies on Wednesdays, it's so cool when we do observation and it's not like quiet. And I thought to myself, that is kind of cool. Because, you know, sometimes you're in school And the teacher says, okay, what do you guys think about that? You over there in the pink, what do you think about that, right? Right? But you guys, apparently, you have a lot to think about, and you're comfortable to share, and I praise God for that. Um, We are obviously aware that this text has to do with family, right? Church family. And now, specifically, in Ephesus... And we can relate to this, I think, in our day and age. There is a lot of immorality. There's a lot of bad teaching, which results in a lot of broken families, which results now specifically into this issue issue with widows in Ephesus. So meaning not only were there broken families, there's a lot of poverty. And when there's poverty, that opens up another gateway to a lot of other temptations. So... What Timothy really is inheriting here as a pastor is it's a tough call. And Paul loves Timothy so much, right? He said, I'm trying to come to you, but if I can't get there here, let me give you this whole letter. And so right now, just to kind of bring us back to where we're at, and I love that Paul takes a lot of time to talk to his son in the faith about caring for women. As a father, I have a son, and I want to talk to him a lot about how to care for women, especially the women of the Morales house. Um, 
My son has golden moments. Moments. Not character yet. Not golden character. Golden moments. Yesterday we were at the park and my daughter fell and Blue was like paces ahead of her. He stopped. He turned around. Autumn, are you okay? Runs back, picks her up. Hold my hand. Oh, golden moment. Right? He's in bed. He's supposed to stay in bed. I scold him if he gets out of bed when he's supposed to stay in bed. I hear, I'm in my room reading and I hear something at the door, feet to the door. And I run out there getting ready to scold him. And what I did not know is what he knew is he heard mom drive into the driveway and he turns around and he stands at the door and he goes, Dad, I need to open the door for my mother. Just go to bed after. I go back away, you know, golden moments, moments. Um, but, you know, we don't teach our children, we don't teach the young men to, to do those things just, to be shiv- just for chivalry. Um, I want Blue to be a gentleman, a man who is gentle, not merely because that's just the right thing to do, Blue. It, there, there's, there's a deeper thing to, to wanting, Paul wanting Timothy to learn how to be a gentleman. To be a man who cares for family, a family man, but a man who cares for women, your mothers, specifically even women who are hurting like widows. Why, and Gabe brought this up in observation, is because God's heart is to be the father to the fatherless, the husband to the bride. Exodus 22, 22 says this, you shall not mistreat any widow. Or fatherless child. And then God says, if you mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn. The word of God says, I will kill you. Go look it up yourself. Now that's strong words. That's from the heart of God. James 1.27. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. This is the heart of God. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Psalm 146, verse 9, the Lord watches over the sojourners, those are strangers, but he upholds the widow and the fatherless. A brief word to the men who aspire for the ministry, because we have young men in this church who aspire for it. And all of us, this word is for all of us, but especially to you, young men. And all of us who are called to watch these men and affirm these men. Remember, we're the pastor search committee. Take great heed to the word of God and how he counsels you to care for women. Right before this, Paul told young Timothy, and with the young women, all purity. Hear that, men. If you're playing with sexual morality, you're looking at shady stuff, playing around with pornography or things of that, you know what that is cultivating in your soul? A mistreat of women. To think less of them. That they are toys, not treasures, daughters of the king. Timothy, you got to have this pure heart, Timothy. All this policy about how to care for widows, you're not going to care about it. Unless you truly see women for who they are, they're my daughters. This strikes the very chord of the heart of God, church. 
In my short years of life, I have wept with widows over their past husbands. I have watched them bury them. I have sat with old widows and young widows. And it's not just a sad, sad. It breaks a person's heart to see a woman in such pain. To be family and financially and everything stripped from your life. We have to set the tone for why Paul has so much to say about this particular subject. It's not just so church, you be a good church and take care of widows and boys, you be good gentlemen. No, this has everything to do with godliness. Policies and principles for caring for these widows. This is huge, Timothy. This is huge, Nu'uanu. And my hope and my prayer is that as we work through this chapter, that we see the purpose behind why Paul gives these policies and recommendations. The heartbeat behind it. This is all done out of a love for God. It's for his glory. It's for the world to see a family. When, when Jerish was saying that she knows of a situation where there was a professed believer that didn't care for this member, the world should look at that and be like, what? The world should and we should expect that if we're believers, if we're Christians, we love our families regardless of who they are and what they've done and where they're coming from. And when it comes down to a family member who's a widow, who in the culture is easily overlooked because they got nothing anymore, they have no social standing, they're easy to just walk by like they don't exist, not in God's family, not in the kingdom of heaven. Who is Jesus looking at at the temple when all these rich, wealthy people came in to give their offerings. And there was a woman there, a little woman, who had but two pennies. And who was Jesus' eyes fixated on during that worship hour? It was that woman, who out of all she had, who was a widow, she threw her coins in there. You see, Jesus is is. is glorying and, and say, Tim, you got to honor that. So just see the heart of this, though, because it's easy to get lost in the details. Well, who's enrolled and who's not and all the stipulations. But at the very outset, I want us to really feel the tone of this. This is huge, Timothy. This is how the gospel shapes your life. And this is how you're to deal with widows. Verse 3. Honor widows. Honor. Timau. Now again, I said that's a word of, it is respect, revere, but it's a, it's a care for with, it's a financial term. So when we, this comes up again later in Timothy where he says, and the elder who preaches give double honor. It's not just saying like when a widow comes in the room, we just honor and respect or kiss her on the cheek. It, it, yes, you show that respect, but this is something different. It's, a, it's more. It's show that honor by caring for. We see Jesus backed it up in Matthew 15 when he's rebuking the Pharisees. Remember? They were te- um, they, they, people were saying, oh, you know, they were teaching, honor your father and your mother. But if you give those finances to the, to, the, to the temple, oh, then you don't need to honor your father and mother. Yeah, give that to the church, not your parents. And Jesus gets all on them on that. He says, no, no, no. Don't you manipulate 
and with your little traditions, totally miss what God is trying to teach when he says, honor your father and your mother. Respect, revere, and if you have the ability, care for them, even with your pockets. So this is a financial term. Um, and now he says, okay, widows, right? Someone who lost their husband, whether that's by death or maybe divorce or in this day and context, desert, deserted, right? Like let's say there's a polygamous family, meaning a father who has multiple wives and he comes to the faith. What if he just, there's a lot of widows in this day for whatever the circumstance, whether it's desertion, death, or divorce. There are women in the congregation who are hurting. I hate to breeze through this. we got to feel that. Because I wonder how much, because there's widows in our church, church. Just I wonder how much time you take to think about that. And if you are a widow in our church, I hope you hear tonight. God sees you. He loves you. And he will care for you. So honor widows, now he says, who are truly widows. Let me read a little bit and then I'll give you the point. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household. How to make some return and, and make some return to their parents. See, this is how we know this honor is also connected with, with a financial thing. For this is, now look at this, pleasing in the sight of God. This makes him happy. Children, grandchildren, hear this. It makes the Lord happy when we have hearts to care for our parents and our parents who become widows and widowers. This makes him very happy. Verse 5, she who is truly a widow, second time he says that. Now he's going to define this, left all alone. Meaning, verse 4, the widow who does not have children or grandchildren. There's no family. But look at this. Has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. And then verse 6, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Let's just pause there. First thing we see is this. As the family of believers, here's the first point. As the family of believers, we bear the burdens of those who lack family. Let me say that again. As a family of believers, if you are a part of the church, the family of God, you remember anyone a Baptist because you profess faith in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. You believe that he loved you that way. We are called as a family. Now, I use this term, bear the burdens, because when you think of the widow, her life has burden. She no more husband. And in those day and age, that's big especially because it wasn't normal for women to work. The husband did all of that. He was the financial security. So that's a big burden. But we as a church are called to bear the burdens. Now, here's the specific of those who lack family. Notice it says in the text, the widow, here's the first qualification if you want to figure out how to figure this out. She's really all alone. Because perhaps there was widows in, there, in that age that they had children and grandchildren and uncles and aunties and 
brothers and sisters who were there and they could help. And he says, that is good and appropriate. They should do that. But Timothy, in your church, there are widows who are truly widowed. Like they got nobody right now. And he wants Timothy to honor that particular widow. Notice that person. So the first, I have two sub-points under the big point. Family of believers, we bear burdens of those who lack family. The first one is, this burden-bearing requires discernment. Discernment. You see how he says truly widow twice? So Timothy, you're going to have to do some work and investigation in the family. Who here amongst our widows is truly widow? Meaning, she has no family left. Now, I just want to think about that. That's going to take time to do, isn't it? Timothy's going to have to actually talk to families. He's going to actually have to talk to widows. He's going to actually have to care to figure this out. That's huge. The second subpoint is this burden bearing cultivates godliness. Godliness. Now, I say that because when you see here, it says, if they have, um, where does it say? If, if the widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn first. You see that big word? Let them first learn. Blue needs to learn. That's your sister. That's family. We love her. God made her. God loves her. That's your mom. That is family. We love her. God made her. God loves her. You young man, care for them, love them. He needs to learn that. Church, we are growing up in a time where children and grandchildren don't learn this. Mom's too old, dad's too old, they're such a burden, let's drop them off at some place. I ain't got time for that, I'm busy. No, seriously, the Bible is saying, the church, the family of God, we have to have this in our blood. Someone's hurting. The children, grandchildren, you got to learn. And then it says this, learn to show godliness. You see, this, this burden bearing, this is the, it's crazy because if you, and I'm sure all of this can hit us in the room. Who's in a family right now where there's problems? Okay, don't keep your hands down. Because that would just be too much. Who has, who has a family right now where there's like just physical problems with caring for older people in your family? Grandma, grandpa, mom, dad. Keep your hands down. All right? You don't need to raise them. And, and the Bible is saying that if we can learn to care for them, it shows, it shows off the character of God. You ever look at it like that? So the next time mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, uncle or auntie has an ailment or has some sort of pickle, or if you have widows in your household who are alone and hurting, you know what will please God? You call them. How are you doing, mom? You take them out to, to, to lunch or something. Oh, really, how are you doing, mom, dad? You know how foreign that is in our generation? How increasingly foreign that is. Because we need to learn. And Timothy, Chris, Bob, Johnny, all the men in our church, we need to teach these things. 
Because the family unit is the, not just the stomping grounds, it's the showcase of godliness and Christianity. People came to the wedding, right? We had visitors come to the wedding. They got to peek into a window of the extension of a family. Your mother, Kaleo, came up to me after and said, no, seriously, Pastor, I see why my son loves being here. Because he really does have family in Oahu. I didn't really see that until till now. This shows godliness. So this burden bearing. The next time there's a family meeting or, or you get a text or a call from someone in your family and it's something heavy and it's going to take time and money, do not go, oh, yeah, I know, please. But do not go, huh. The burden is an opportunity. It requires discernment, but it's an opportunity that's going to cultivate godliness. There's your chance to shine. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Family's the nearest neighbor. Let's keep it moving. Lord, I don't know if we'll get to verse 16, but that's okay. Um, Burden-bearing creates the culture of godliness. Huge opportunities. Pray and think right now. Pray and think right now. Verse 7. So he says, command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. I'll just say this point in quick. Caring for the family glorifies God. How do I get that? Timothy, you got to command these things that I'm talking to you about, how to care for family within the church, specifically widows. So that to be without reproach, reproach is blame. The opposite of that is you shine. This, 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 like you want, right now in Ephesus, so much people can look at that church and be like, oh, that's Christianity? Look at those widows running around with those teachers and getting all immoral. And look at all the fighting happening. And look at all these other widows who are being overlooked. And people don't even care about family. And it's just a mess in there. That's a lot of reproach. Nu'uanu, if that's happening in our midst, this ought not be. And the word of God needs to be taught well so that way we can live well, so that way we can give God glory. So they come up to you, young man, young woman. Oh, my gosh, you guys care for each other like that? Or Kaleo's mom comes up to me after the wedding and, wow, this is so amazing. You know what I need to do is, auntie, thank you so much for sharing that. But all glory be to God. Because God taught us to love like that. You see, caring for family, it does glorify God. When we don't care for family, Romans 2, verse 23 to 24, it says, You boast in the law and dishonor God by breaking the law, and as it is written, the name of God gets blasphemed among Gentiles because of you. When we disobey God's word, the non-believing world blasphemes the God we say we worship. It makes sense, right? Too often Christianity has a bad rep due to our reproach. But you see, Paul wants Timothy to teach the church well, to care for each other well, so the church family shines. Nu'uanu, I pray that all of us would live well and love our families well, not just so that way we can live well and love our families well, but so that God gets glorified. Let's keep it going. I think we can finish. Verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives... 
That's another hint that why I think this honor is financial. Provide. Proneo. To perceive. to, Or that's, that's to, to give attention to. But provide for his relatives, especially for members of his own household. Now look at Paul's words. He has denied the faith. What faith, church? What's this faith? The gospel. He has denied He has lived against what he says he believes. He believes in a God who so loves that he gave his son that whoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. And that person who has that faith is born again. The song that Trevor chose, this tattoo I have on my wrist that I confess I don't look at enough and reflect on enough, it says that we are adopted into the family of God, and we don't deserve it. I'm a part of a faith family that I sure don't deserve. And then I'm going to turn around and go and treat my earthly family like they don't matter? That's a denial of the faith. You see how Paul is just speaking straight? If that's the kind of members you got in your church, Timothy, if that's the kind of hearts we have here tonight, church, hear this out. And, it, and confess it before the Lord right now. Perhaps you do lack love for the members of your own household. Confess that. Be honest. It's okay to be honest. It's just not okay to just stay there. Confess that now. Because the Bible is calling us out and saying, if that's you, you call yourself a Christian, but you don't even care for the members of your own earthly family, you're denying the gospel. And then it says, you living worse than a non-believer. Greek philosophers in the day, like Plato and Aristotle and, and all those guys, the thinkers of the day, they themselves would go on record and even say that children should care for their parents. So in that current culture... When he's saying this, it's like, dude, there's people outside of the church in Ephesus that they're living better than you guys. Here's the point. Being part of the eternal family increases our love and care for the earthly family God has given us. I know these are wordy points. I just couldn't figure out another concise way to say it. But being part of the eternal family. Like if you're Christian, it ought to increase our love and care for the earthly family God has given us. I know this to be true in my life. I needed to learn these things. I didn't always care about the members of my family. I didn't always care about my cousins who lived next door to me, the Ricos. I didn't always care about my relatives, my uncles and aunties, until the day I truly met Christ. Until Christ invaded my life, every stop sign driving home, I would pause, and my sister and I would pray for our parents. Where did that come from? Straight from heaven, not from me. This, if you are a Christian tonight, your affection for your earthly family ought to be increasing. That's what breaks my heart. Like when Jerish was testifying of the story she said, I hear a lot of stories like that. You know? Brothers and sisters and nephews say, oh yeah, well, we don't see them anymore. They go to church. 
And they, they get this vibe that you don't really care about them. And we can't force our family to come here. But they should definitely feel an increasing love and care for them because we say we love a God of love. Does that, that makes sense, right? And yet here we are. And Paul needs to explicitly say this to Timothy, to say to the church, to care for the family is fundamental and foundational in the Christian faith. Remember that. Remember the elders and deacons were called to be exemplary of that. Can't be our leader if your family life's a mess. This is why I do, one of the things I do love about our church here is it's not uncommon for not just the leaders but church members to ask me, how's my family? And I just praise God for that. I pray that that would be a normal thing in the church culture here. Let me give another verse. Acts 16, remember this story when we studied through Acts? There was the, and he was the Philippian jailer. And then after the whole scene of the earthquake and Paul and them saying like, don't, don't kill yourself. It says he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And then he said this, believe in the Lord Jesus. And then it says, you will be saved, you and your household he spoke the word of the lord to him and to all who were in his house they went back home and he and all his family heard the gospel believed and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in god now that's an epic story but that ought to be what all of our hearts want like if you're saved if there's anything you take away tonight i would love for a hundred percent of the people in this room who are parts of families and we have earthly family, you have children, you have grandchildren, you have brothers, sisters, uncles, and aunties, you have grandmas and grandpas who may go to hell. Serious. I pray 100% of our attendance tonight, and anyone listening online, tonight's the night we're going to pray for all of our earthly family members. And we're going to care. We're going to cry. And we're going to plead the blood for God to save them and to use me. Holidays are around the corner. There may not be another Thanksgiving dinner you have. There may not be another Christmas or New Year's opportunity. Remember that. To care for our family. That's foundational. If we're, if we're believers... So Paul is telling Timothy, don't neglect this. To neglect this, you're setting people up to act and live worse than non-believers. And Timothy, especially when it comes to caring for these widows. Verse 9 to the end. I'll just read it and summarize the point in closing. So he says now, he starts to give more. He, he elaborates more on what he was talking about in verse 3 to 5. So let a widow be enrolled. If she's not less than 60 years of age, that's, I think, prudence. He's just trying to give some sort of protocol. Having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works, if she's brought up children and shown hospitality, washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted and devoted herself to every good work. So here's the qualification for the widow to get care. One, she's a faithful wife. She's a husband. She's a one woman, one husband man. And she's devoted. So that's devotion. There's devotion there. So there's devotion earlier. There's also she has no family. 
So she's lacking family, but not lacking devotion. But then he says in verse 11, okay, but for this specific benevolence, refuse to enroll younger widows or service. For when their passions draw them away from Christ and they desire to marry, meaning they're immature. And if it's saying here their passions are drawing them away from Christ, that's revealing. It's starting to maybe show where their true hope is. Not like the other widows whose hope is in God. And then it says in verse 12, And they incur condemnation for having abandoned the former faith. Besides that, this is what they're doing. They're learning to be idlers, meaning they just do nothing. So you can keep giving money there. They'll just keep doing nothing. You're not helping them. You're coddling them. That, to enroll them, is not going to be helpful for them. They're idlers. They're going from house to house. They just mooch. Just house to house. I like some, I like some, I like some. That's what local people say, right? And that's, they're living like that now. This is what's happening in Ephesus. And not only idlers, but they're gossips. They got nothing else to do but chirp. They just go and talk, 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 talk trash about everybody. They know more family. They know more husband. They know more, they, 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 all they got is time. And this is what they're doing, Timothy. They're being corrupted in their character. This is why don't give them money. <laughs> but busybodies, you know what busybodies are? A busybody is this. There's an important thing you need to do here. Like let's say your homework for the children. But you say, oh, I cannot because, you know, I'm, I'm doing this over here. It's a busybody. Is you, it's the person in doing that, pretending to sweep when they're not really doing anything, and you got to carry that piano. That's a busybody. Now think about it. Are we? Just read, reflect, because I mean, man, there's important matters to be dealt with, like your sin, like your gossip, like the fact that you don't want to go to work anymore. You're just going to go house to house. But you're going to pretend like you're too busy to do any of that. Guys, as we look at this, Paul is calling out widows, but we need to reflect and look at ourselves. Are we gossips? Are we busybodies? Are we lazy? But anyway, he's, he's speaking of this. Don't enroll them. And then he's his recommend, recommendation, verse 14. I'd have, I would have younger widows marry bear children, manage households. Like just resume their God-given, if they desire, role. Live the life you're called to live. And give the adversary no occasion to slander. Do what you should be doing and you won't be doing what you shouldn't. Verse 15, for some have already strayed after Satan. You see Paul's heart? He's not just coming at the widows, the young widows, and ripping on them. He's concerned they're drawn away from Christ and going after Satan. And then if any believing has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Don't let the church be burdened. Here's the thing in closing. I want us to see in this whole section that caring for families, namely the widows here, it's an opportunity for growing in godliness. I would even get more specific. This is an opportunity for evangelism and discipleship. Paul cares about these widows, these young widow girls or women who are just living like this. He doesn't want them to be drawn away from Christ. Go get them, Timothy. Care for them. Shape them up. Teach these things. Warn them of their gossip and their idling. Encourage them to be married, contrary to what the false teachers are saying. Oh, don't, you cannot get married, you cannot get married, you cannot get married. 
this is an opportunity for evangelism and discipleship. Restore the home, Timothy. Guys, in closing, God's heart for the hurting needs to be seen in this text. His heart for the widow, for the orphan, the husbandless, the fatherless, the distressed and the afflicted. I, I really just want you to see the heart of God tonight so that you get so stunned by it that you and we as a church embody it. Let us learn that the blood of Christ has purchased us and made us family. And in this family, like every family, there's problems. And in this family, there are serious burdens and circumstances. And one of them in the text tonight is widows. Take great care of them. Remember John 19 at the cross? Jesus modeled this. When he was about to die, he looked at his mother. He said, Mom, you're not alone, Mom. Behold your son. And John, behold your mother. That's the last instance before he died. That is crazy to me. How much Christ cares about family. I have a lot of repenting and work to do in my heart. I'm not there yet. But I want to be. I pray that our church would want to be. And again, not just for the sake of being a church that cares for the harassed and helpless. But all to showcase the heart, the glory, the goodness of our God. I love this. And you know, Mary Ellen's not here tonight because she's spending time with a widow providentially. She didn't know I was going to teach on this. She texts me, I'm so sorry I made a miss tonight, Pastor Chris. I really, but I'm going to spend time with a widow. And I said, oh my gosh, Mary Ellen, thank you. You know, and if you, if you come to our evening prayer meetings on Sundays, it was in the bulletin. We're praying for Pastor Timothy, who's pastoring out in Nigeria. And his church is filled with widows tonight who have watched their children and husbands be slaughtered with machetes. And we have names and faces that we're praying for. To have this heart for the hurting in the church is a good godly thing. Let us all really weigh these things to heart tonight. Examine ourselves and be fueled by the love of the gospel so that we come to church and we really care for each other as family. Don't take things like this for granted, guys. When you see one another, greet each other, hug each other, embrace each other, ask each other how you're doing. That's your brother and sister, mom and dad. And when we're hurting, we're going to hurt together. Care for each other. Today was the first day in my life I was ever, I think, literally given a holy kiss by a brother in Christ. Like he embraced me, hugged me, and with all seriousness, he's another pastor on another island, and he's about to get on the plane. He gave me a kiss. And it wasn't weird. It was like almost like, thanks. But whoa. We're family, you know. <laughs> I'm a cheek. <laughs> culture shock but 
it was one of those I was like really appreciative of it. I'll probably text him after, say thanks for doing that. Um, not saying that to get another one, just, just it just felt really affectionate. Um, but you know, at the end of this all, guys, I mean, that's what we are. We're family. And I'm excited to enjoy the holidays with you all. And I'm excited to see more of our earthly family be part of this eternal family. There's no greater joy. And I said this two weeks ago about Mark and his baptism. But I pray and believe family, earthly family and church family, that more of our family is going to come to faith. And it's going to start with us. Amen? Let's pray, let's sing, and let's worship our Father in heaven. Lord God, we love you so, so much. No way that you would invite us to be a part of your ohana. No way. Sinners like us, to be a part and belong to the family of God. I'll never get over that. I pray that none of us ever get over that. How can we? But I ask that you would help us to see now what kind of love this is. And I pray that this love would overflow into this church family and how we do our polity, how we do ministries, whether it's to widows or orphans. And all that there is to do, I pray that you would well up in the hearts of those here tonight an appreciation for the familial love of God. And that you would redeem now and restore and repair the earthly relationships we have with our families I pray that moms and dads and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunties and grandmas and grandpas would come fresh to our mind. Children, our sons and our daughters, our grandchildren that we have lacked loving, that we have neglected, that we have not prayed for, that we have not cared for, that we've had opportunities to provide for and we stood back or we walked on the other side. Have mercy and forgive us. Let us not deny this faith. But let us now live it out. Do this. And until you call us home or come to get us, we will always celebrate the reality that because of Jesus Christ, we are the family of God. Thank you so much, King Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. close with James 1 verse 21 
And therefore, put away all pilau and heva, filth and wickedness, yeah? And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not only hearers. And jump down to 25. Doers who act, who acts, will be blessed. So, church family, may his word drive us to love him with all our hearts, all our souls, and all our strength. And love others as he has called us to. Go in his love. Amen.